Thank you for tuning in today. We believe that the word of God is designed and has the ability to radically change your life. This series, Think Rich, Live Wealthy, is designed to change the way you think concerning finances and the life that you're living so that you can enjoy everything that God not only has promised for you, but everything that he has you living in today. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the message. Praise God. Well, if you would join hands all across the aisles, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just give you praise. We give you honor. I thank you, Lord God, for the power of your word to do what it does. I thank you, Lord God, that you said that your word would never return void, but it would always accomplish everything you sent it forth to accomplish. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that the Holy Spirit is present to make sure that takes place. I thank you, Lord God, that we have an open mind, an open spirit to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that we shall experience all those things you desire to experience, us to experience in this life. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, hallelujah, for the peace that comes from believing and trusting your word because you are a faithful God. So I thank you, Lord, again that you will think through my mind and speak through my vocal cords, everything you'd have this people to hear. And we just give you all the praise and the honor in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 <laughs> Glory to God. You know, we're concluding our series on uh, think rich and live wealthy because uh, Sometimes we don't really understand how wealthy people think. And uh, it's important what we think. It's important what we think. It's important that we see things the way God sees things so that we can see everything God has said and that God has promised to us. Because, you know, uh, the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man. And it's true, because sometimes what men think is easier for us, more comfortable, or something that we practice for such a long time, it's easy for us to do it, even though it's detrimental to us and will not bring us the thing that God desires. But we do them anyways because of habit. But the Word of God tells us in the book of Romans chapter 12 that we need to renew our minds. Yes. He said to renew our minds. He tells us to... Uh, to get some new ideals and a new attitude. As a matter of fact, he's talking about his ideals and his attitude. And of course, in our series, we talked about how God owns everything. I mean, he created everything. He owns the heaven and the earth and everything that's in it, which includes us. I didn't get an amen on that. <laughs> but in, it, it does include us. It's just that people don't recognize it until you come into the kingdom of God. And then God tells us that you were bought with a price. You were purchased with a price. And so God doesn't do anything unintentionally. Everything he does is intentionally with purpose. God only operates the way he desires to operate. You know, God doesn't really cater to what we think. He really doesn't. Uh, he, God, God knows awesomely. God knows what is best for us. He knows what is best for us. And so uh, as believers, and that's what we call ourselves, you know, we call ourselves Christians, but Christians always say they're believers. Am I right? Amen. So we do have any believers in the house. Amen. Amen. Praise Amen. God. So I'm so happy that the believers showed up. Otherwise, I may get some pushback on what God wants to share. But 
we look at the word of God and uh, we see what God thinks about stuff. We see how God operates and it's always for our benefit and ultimately it's for the benefit of the kingdom of God because God is interested in people. God is interested in people. That's why he said, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. For God so loved the world. He didn't mean, he didn't mean the ground, the dirt, and all those things. He meant people. Amen. He said, I love people. So my interest is in people and getting people to come to know me and for people to experience my unconditional love towards them and my forgiveness and my mercy and my grace. Uh, I've uh, started again reading uh, the Bible in its entirety. <laughs> That's always uh, a, a challenge for me because I get misdirected. And what I mean by that is I'll start studying something. So I'm jumping all over the place instead of following whatever it is they tell me to follow. But uh, just recently, uh, just not necessarily recently, but just in my, I, think, I think I'm in my 48th day or whatever reading. And I'm reading in the Old Testament. And I'm telling you, God loves people. He really loves people. A lot of times when we think about the Old Testament, we think about all the horrible things that happened to people, you know, those that disobeyed God being eaten up by worms and the earth is opening up and swallowing them up and uh, God allowing them to be, uh, the children of Israel to be captured and uh, be in bondage and in slavery and then out and then in. They had good kings, bad kings. They had good judges, bad judges. I mean, in my reading, I'm like, wow, man, this just seems to just go back and forth and back and forth. But God actually just loves people. So he was always willing to give another chance, another chance, another opportunity to do it my way, another opportunity to see that I really care about you, another opportunity to understand that I love you, another opportunity to show that I'm for you. Just, just time and time and time and time and time again, God is trying to express his unconditional uh, love towards people. And of course, thank God he came up with a way where uh, we didn't have to be involved anymore and he didn't have to really look at our actions anymore so that he could express his love towards us. And I'm talking about the birth of Jesus Christ and the fact that he died uh, and in his death, he took on all of the penalties that we rightfully deserved by the actions that we took. And so... God really loves people. Even when you look at the account of when Abraham was praying for Sodom and Gomorrah, I mean, he was like, God, how about you save them for 50? God, how about 40? How about 30? How about 20? God could just, and God, he, so God would not have kept saying, okay, 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 if his intention just was to destroy people. That's not God's intention at all. God loves people. He loves us and he just wants to express his unconditional love for us and eventually get us to a place called heaven that we sometimes don't talk about in church because we're so, we're so hung up on what's happening here. But understand there is a life after this and that life is called eternity. Amen. Amen. So we do need to think about that sometimes, although the world will present things to us to cause us to be very inward. And God's desire is to reach people and he uses believers to reach people. He used believers to go out and talk to people about his unconditional love and his desire to be on their side. Now, he doesn't, he's not promising us that nothing ever bad is going to happen in this world. That's not God's promise because we live in a world. We live in what we call a fallen world, which means stuff happens. Look at somebody and say, stuff happens. Stuff happens. So things happen. 
to people. But God wants us to know that when those things do happen, understand I am right here because I am for you. You may not immediately get out of the situation, but there is an end result and I call it good because he said, because I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That expected end is the end that God has designed for us before the beginning of time. So God loves people and his desire is that we be with him. His desire is that we know him. His desire is that we have a wonderful relationship with him. His desire is also that we do things his way because he knows those things are best for us. And he put many promises in the word of God. He says, you know, I'm going to be your safety. I'm going to be your security. I was praying the other day and God told me, he said, Deborah, I'm your benefactor. I believed I knew what that was, but I looked it up just to make sure. And I was like, God, I love that. You go be my benefactor. In other words, don't worry about it. And that's the way God feels about us. Just don't worry about it so that we could, with liberty and freedom, do the things that he's called us to do. On Wednesday, I taught a message about financial freedom. Uh, Financial freedom. And I said, it's not what you think it is. A lot of times when people hear financial freedom, they hear boatload of money. Millions at least. (laughs) Some of y'all saying, God, how about a million? All at one time. That's what you hear, but... Understand this, God calls financial freedom when you don't, have, when you don't worry about finances at all. Uh, in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, God talks about the place, uh, uh, Paul talks to us about a place that God wants all believers to be. God wants us at a place where we need no aid or assistance for anyone and that we are able to give into every good work and charitable donation. You know, you can still have a house payment and be able to be in that position. You do know that you... That just simply means, let me, let me just break it down for you. That means that I am able to take care of the affairs in my life. I'm able to save, I'm able to invest, and I'm able to give into the kingdom of God. Amen. That's where God wants everybody to be. So that we don't keep thinking we're falling short of where God wants us to be. Amen. 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 Praise God. So uh, this morning, I'm going to talk to you about, or the, my subject title is Give Like You Want to Give. Look at somebody and say, give like you want to give. And I certainly appreciate your repeating that. So now I want you to tell them that I said, give like you want to give. That's right. That's right. Put some inflection in your voice. Just, you know, just give like you want to give. Nobody want to make you give. Don't want to, don't want to, I mean, if I have to manipulate you to give, I have to keep doing that. And that's just too much effort. And you know what? God feels the same way. Too much effort. So look at somebody again and say, just give like you want to give. Amen, amen, amen. (laughs) And so we're going to start this morning in Exodus. Exodus chapter 35. Exodus chapter 35. And verse 4. Exodus chapter 35 and verse 4, I figured we start in the Old Testament and move forward because the Bible talks about God loves a cheerful giver. God doesn't like a mad giver. God doesn't like a giver who wants their money back later. But God wants a cheerful giver. 
We'll read this in the uh, King James, Exodus chapter 35 and verse 4. And it says, And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. And it goes on to talk about the things that God says. But the most important thing here, he says, to receive an offering from people who have a willing heart. Notice, guys, this is in the Old Testament. And a lot of times when we read things in the Old Testament, we hear, you know, because if you don't, I'm going to. You know, that's the way God talked back then. But then there's something that he, this is something that God wants Moses to do. He actually, he wants Moses and the people of Israel to do. So he says, this thing that I want you to do, I want you to only receive it from people who want to do it. People who have a willing heart. Those are the ones that, that I want to do these things. Let's look at verse 10. And it says, and every wise hearted among you shall come and make it all that the Lord hath commanded. So again, uh, he, he's talking about people having a willing heart, people having a desire to do something that God has put before them, something that God has proposed for them to do. And we have that happen in our church sometime. As a matter of fact, it recently happened uh, most of you know that we are in a campaign called a, a, unity, uh, a unity Experience where we are coming together to do some things that God has asked us to do. And so part of that is doing some work in this part of our building. Uh, we're transferring some, um, some parts of the building, putting some things on this side and moving some other things on that side uh, so things will work better and coordinate better when it comes to our children. But... Um, one of the members of our church um, heard about what we were doing. And so what they did is um, they told us if we buy the material, we'll, we'll supply the contractors. He said, free of charge. Amen. They'll come and they'll work for free. They'll use their expertise to make sure the thing God said gets done. And that's the way God wants it. To, that's how God wants things to operate. And I thank God that that we have people in our church who hear what God has to say and they get on board with it. Because remember, I told you that the only reason that you should give in the church at all is if you have a revelation of giving, if you're inspired to give, or because you are grateful. Because those are heart gifts. They're not the promise of if you give $10, then next week all your bills gonna be paid off. I can never make that promise to you. God can personally say that to you, but I can't promise you that across the pulpit. That's ridiculous. I cannot be writing checks that God's not going to sign. And some people, and some people do that. God, that's not how, that's not how God does things. God does things because he wants us to do them from our heart. And if you'll go down to verse 20 in that same passage of scripture, and it says, and, and all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. After Moses told them what God said to do, they all went their way to determine what they were going to do. And it says, and they came everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. And they came both men and women, as many as were willing, as many as was willing, as many as were willing with a willing heart 
and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets and all jewels of gold. And every man that, uh, that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. So hear these, hear these people, hear what God has said. Make a determination, make a decision that they want to be a part of it. They make up their own mind. They do it with a willing heart. They're stirred up to do it. So they all brought, they all brought what they had to make sure that what God wanted to have done got done. Let's look at verse 29 in that same passage of scripture. And it reads, the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work, which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. So they all came. They all brought things according to what uh, Moses said concerning them so they can complete the thing that God said. If you'll go to chapter 36, Exodus chapter 36. Exodus chapter 36, and of course Moses set up people to collect everything that was uh, being received, everything that people were bringing uh, to do what the Lord was telling them to do. And in verse 5 he says, And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses, and Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work, I don't know why it keeps doing that to me, touching it wrong, for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to be made, to make it, and too much. So people came until it was done. Everybody came, as a matter of fact, if you read that whole passage of scripture, it said they came every day till they saw what God said needed to be done take place. Amen. And these are people with a willing heart. These are people who were willing to sow. Let's look at First uh, Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 1. First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 1. And I'm saying all of this because we've been talking now for a little over a month about thinking rich and living wealthy. And basically we've laid a foundation that no one should do anything unless they are led by the Spirit of God to do it. We haven't talked to you about uh, God's going to multiply your seed sown, although that's in the Bible. We haven't talked to you about God wants to increase you more and more, you and your children. We haven't talked about give and it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run and know it, because I'm telling you, if you don't do it from God's perspective, it's not going to profit you any. Not any of what we say and the promises that follow are going to apply to you. And I understand that we can hype people up and you can get people going and all emotional and then they'll come and, and they'll give and then they may have something come back to them, but then they won't know how to repeat it. It'll be a one hit. It'll be a one hit wonder in your life. You won't know what happened. And then the rest of your life you spend it trying to get God to do something that he did before instead of understanding that this is a, a principle in the word of God and this is just how the world, kingdom of God operates and that God is faithful to what he says. So we're at the conclusion of it and I just want you to understand why God is teaching us or telling us these things this way because there's things that God wants to get done and God is interested in people. 
and he's interested in his people reaching other people for the kingdom of God. And that is the only thing God is interested in. Amen. Bottom line, understand that God put, word, put things in the word of God. He wants us to enjoy life. He says, I've given you all things richly to enjoy. So he wants us to enjoy life. I mean, after all, he created all the beauty that you see. He created the mountains. He created the oceans, the snow that comes down from heaven, the rain. Because So we like a lot of things, and God created them for us to enjoy and to like. Amen? Amen. But then God still wants us working while we're enjoying life. He still wants us doing the things that he wants, wants to happen. He still wants people to know about his unconditional love. He still wants people to experience his peace that surpasses all understanding. God still wants to heal people. God still wants to, because he loves people. And so people who come into the kingdom of God, he solicit our help to make sure people come to know who he is. Hallelujah. So we don't, so we don't want you, we don't want you, all off chasing things that God's going to bring to you, but he still wants you to work while you're doing the work of ministry. Amen. Amen. So everybody who's been, who's born again is supposed to be doing the work of ministry. Amen. Amen. And God doesn't want to make you do anything. And so I don't want to make you do anything. It's too much work. Too much work to try to convince people to do something. But if it's in your heart to do, I don't have to say anything to you. I don't have to convince you to do anything. You'll hear from God and do what it is you're supposed to do or do what it is that you desire to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. So in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, starting at verse 1, it says, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man. But for the Lord, now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. And then he goes on and tells us everything that he's prepared for the house of God. He said, but I did it with all my might. He said, I did it intentionally. It wasn't just, I just kind of thought about it. He said, but no, my heart was towards the thing God wanted to happen, to take place. So I began to prepare for it. Amen. Amen. Then in verse three. He says, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I, had a, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the house uh, for the holy house. So here David says, you know what? He said, I have of my own proper good to give. I've already set aside something. And in the Bible, when you set aside something for God, it's called a devoted thing. It's a holy thing when you set it aside to give to God. He says, I've already done that. He says, but I, my affections are towards the thing that God wants to see happen. So I have of my own proper good. I have of my own stuff that I also am going to give as a, so that I can see what God wants to happen, happen. Amen. Amen. So again, he's talking about attitude. He's talking about a heart condition with people. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to look at verse 10, or start in verse 10. And we're going to read this out of two translations. First, the easy reading version. We'll, we'll read it out of that one first. And if you don't have that translation, they'll put it up on the screen. And the second one, we'll do it out of the Passion Bible so you all can get ready for that. But uh, the easy reading version 
of uh, 2 Chronicles, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, it says, God is the one who gives seed to those who plant and he gives bread for food. In other words, God is a generous God and he's the one in this particular passage of scripture, another translation said he pays all the expenses. It says, and God will give you spiritual seed and make that seed grow. He will produce a great harvest from your goodness. God will make you rich in every way so that you can always give freely. And your giving through us will make people give thanks to God. In this particular passage of scripture, Paul is talking about giving to the poor. But he's still talking about the attitude and how these things take place. It says the service you are offering, verse 12, the service you are offering helps God's people with their needs. But that is not all it does. It is also bringing more and more thanks to God. He says it's, it's helping their needs, but it's bringing more and more and more thanks to God. So every time this ministry does something to help the poor, every time this ministry does something to assist anyone in the position that they're in to get out of a position, then they said, these people will give thanks to God. And a lot of you probably don't even, are not even aware. Every once in a while, we'll talk about some of the things that we do. But some of you are unaware that we do nursing home ministry. We do nursing home ministry because most of the time, older people are forgotten. People don't think they need anything. But do you know that some of these people still have never heard the word of God? Do you know some of these people don't have peace? They're still worried about their adult children. Do you know these people, some of them uh, uh, don't have people that visit them. They don't have anybody that talks to them. Do you know that just because they're older don't mean they're not worried? And they're not upset and they don't need the word of God. They don't need prayer. Some of them even, may even need financial assistance. But somebody, and God is calling us to somebody, need to reach out to this group of people. So we do have nursing home ministry. We go out and we minister nursing home ministry. We have a ministry that ministers to uh, uh, people who strip. See, used to be the church didn't want to go near those people. You know, heathens. <laughs> but do you know these women have, have, they have families, they have children, they put them in school, and some of them don't know anything else to do but this. So who's going to talk to them about the love of God? Who's going to talk to them about the kingdom of God? And they may need assistance with something you don't know. But I'm just saying that God says we are the people, believers are supposed to be interested in other people and bringing them into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And a lot, of some, a lot of things we do require resources in order for us to reach out. We can't keep coming in here and just be me, me, me. God help me out of my situation. God help me with this. God help me with my child. God help me with my home. God help me, God help me, God help me. God said, yes, I want to help you, but I also want you to help other people because this is how the kingdom of God operates. This is how the kingdom of God operates. Glory to God. And some of you have heard about Embracing Legacy. Some of you have not. But that's one of the mandates for Revealing Truth Ministries is to reach out to children. Amen. We start Embracing Legacy at the age of two. A lot of programs don't take two-year-olds, but we'll take a two-year-old because we want to instill the principles of God in them at a very young age because guess what? They're exposed to a lot of evil, devilish stuff at a very young age. 
Man, I, I thought, is there a cartoon on television that they can watch? So, some of you know, we started a marching band. And one of the things that Pastor Paul always said, especially when he heard about the, uh, what happened in St. Petersburg about a young kid killing another one, he said, what if we put a trumpet in his hand versus a gun in his hand? He said, maybe we would have saved two families, grief. And so that's why we started it. And where did the instruments come from? The instruments came from the members of Revealing Truth Ministries. Where did the uniforms come from? They came from the people sewing in Revealing Truth Ministries. And we didn't want them to have just some shabby stuff. You know how just, you know, the church people. That's the church people. That's, they, it's okay if the church people band wear a warm-up suit. Yeah, we started there, but then we went out and bought them almost $400 suits to wear. So when they show up, they get attention. And because of the people that are mentoring them, teaching them how to play instruments, not turning them down, when they show up and they see the posture of our children, they say, where did they come from every time? Where did they come from? How do you, why are they disciplined like that? Yes, amen. Because we have anointed people who have a heart for children. And I'm not knocking other programs and what they do to reach youth. I'm not knocking it at all. But we don't have any athletic programs here for children. We have things that reach artists. And we have Miss Marcy. And Miss Marcy teaches these kids about art, the skills of arts. And I want you to know they had their last, uh, uh, what do you call it? Exhibit in a real museum. They were so excited. Those are things we prayed for. Those are things because we want people to be exposed to our children who have been exposed to the kingdom of God so that we can be a witness to other people. And we have our robotics. Our children are intelligent children. And we want to get them, we want to get the love of God on the inside of them. We want them to be able to witness about who they are uh, at a very young age. And we want them in all realms of the earth. We want them in politics. We want them in movies. We want them, listen, it's all the places where the influence goes on. We need for them to be there. But you know, this stuff don't happen without resources. It don't just. And you want to know something? It's time out for us always trying to get to a government program to help us do what God told us to do. Because every time we do that, they put a stipulation on what you can say, what you can teach, what you, how you can express things. And the whole idea is to get them at a young age so that they can be instilled with the principles of God. So when they go out, they'll work as unto the Lord. Hallelujah. And they'll be able to express God in other ways. And I'm not knocking it. Express God in other ways other than singing. Dancing, playing an instrument. And at one time, you couldn't even dance in church to express God. So we added dancing. But why can't, why can't they express the love of God through pictures? Why can't they? Have you ever looked at a picture and it moved you and you didn't know why? Could you imagine if a Christian 
child grew up and painted, it could change someone's. I've watched people look at pictures and actually come to tears because of what it reflected. You all understand what I'm saying? Those, these are things that God is saying, revealing truth ministries, that's on you. That's on you. I want to touch people. I want to give you the resources so you can touch people. In, in, in this passage of scripture in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he's talking about multiplying uh, our righteousness. He's talking about benevolence. He's talking about multiplying us, how we go out and we touch people, how we introduce them to God and introduce them to the kingdom of God and introduce them to the love of God. He says, I'm going to multiply your benevolence. He's going to multiply your seed so you'll have more to give. So because of the benevolence, so you can do more benevolence. Because I need for people to see me. And the only way they don't see me is through you. Glory to God. So we, we are here with purpose in mind. We're here with purpose in mind. We have to do the work of ministry. We need to do the work of ministry. In verse 13, he says, this service is a proof of your faith and people will praise God because of it. They will praise God that you freely share what you have with them and with all people. They will praise him to see you following the good news about Christ that you openly accepted. They will praise God because you freely share with them and with all people. And when they pray, they will wish they could be with you. They will feel this way because of the great grace that God gave you. Thanks be to God for his gift that is too wonderful to describe. And I want to read that same passage of scripture to you out of the uh, Passion Bible. Again, they'll pop it up on the screen if you don't have access to that. And it says, this generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. The priestly ministry you are providing through your offering not only supplies what is lacking for God's people, it inspires an outpouring of praises and thanksgiving to God himself. For as your, as your, excuse me, <clears throat> for as your extremely generous offering meets the approval of those here in Jerusalem, it will cause them to give glory to God all because of your loyal support and allegiance to the gospel of Christ, as well as your generous hearted partnership with them towards those in need. Because of this extraordinary grace which God has lavished on you, they will affectionately remember you in their prayers. Praise God for his outstanding gift, which is far too great for words. You know, Revealing Truth Ministry has been sowing for a long time. We don't try to do everything at Revealing Truth Ministries because we realize some other people do some things a little bit better than what we do. We do have a supply of food that we give to people, but we also help Metropolitan Ministry because they do it very well. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 
We've given away buses. We've given away uh, uh, vans to help reach people because that's what God has called us as a people to do. And God wants to supply us with what's necessary in order to do it. And I, I, I recall Pastor Lamar taught a message concerning uh, sometimes we are eating our seed and sowing our bread. We get it mixed up because we're not really following what God is telling us to do and what he's, and what he's asking us to do, what he's saying he wants us to commit to doing, and he wants us to commit to reaching people. It's all about the love of God and people. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is such a good God. So I'm going to read this out of the pastor's translation to you. I believe we have time. Well, I guess I just did. Didn't I just read it to you? I did. Amen. Did y'all want to hear it again? You don't have to. You can read it yourself. <laughs> you can go to uh, wherever you go, BibleHub.com. They got, I don't know how many Bibles on there. Tons of them, at least 25. Uh, Let's look at uh, Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. We're going to read this out of the, uh, we can read this out of the King James Version of the Bible. Isaiah 55 and verse 9. <clears throat> he says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, God thinks long-term. God does not think short-term. God is concerned about what happens to us after this life as well. It says, for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and return turneth not thither, but watereth the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void because, excuse me, void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God is telling us that the things that I do, I do it with purpose. God is telling us that whatever I say is actually going to come to pass. God is telling us, he said, just like snow and water comes down to the earth and it waters it so that it can grow, so that it can come up. Because without water, then plants and things cannot grow. He said, just like that system works. He says, so, so does my word. It works the same way. The word of God is the seed of the word of God. And whatever I say, it is going to pass, come to pass. Whatever I send it to, whatever I said is supposed to happen, that's the way it's going to happen. And I'm telling you this because God has a system of uh, what he calls seed time and harvest. He said it works. He said it works. And a lot of times when we hear the word of God uh, and we're talking about sowing, are talking about giving, he always talks about it as sowing, like a seed. You know why he does that? Because inside of the seed is the ability for more. Inside of an apple seed, there's an ability to get more apples. And not only more apples, you can get apple trees from a seed. But unless you put it in the ground, unless you sow it, unless you do something with it, 
It's just potential and it stays within the seed. So, you know, you can have potential and God wants to multiply the seed that you would sow, but he can't because you won't plant it. You won't sow it first. He gives it to you first because God never asks you to give something you don't have. I always remember that God would never ask you to give you something, give something you don't have. He always uses what you have. If you recall in the Bible, it talks about the Shudamite woman when the prophet came. He said, what do you have? God's going to help you, but what do you have? And what you have is what he provided. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Understand this. God will not be manipulated either. That's why we taught you all about the character of God. He will not be manipulated. This is not get rich quick. This is not a, uh, I'm going to sow because I want to have things and stuff. God is interested in people. Your heart is right. Your motives are right. God said, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Sometimes, unfortunately, we live in other people's dreams. And what I mean by that, you want a Lexus, but because of status, you go and get yourself, I don't know, I don't know anything about cars. What's better than that? Y'all don't know a car better than that? A Bugatti. How about a Bugatti? Some of y'all know what that is. I just hear my grandson talking about it, and I know it must cost a whole lot of money. But anyways, but, but you're, you're doing a keeping up with the Joneses instead of what you want and what you like, and that God is willing to provide that for you, but you want something somebody else got because you want to look a certain way. This is not showtime at Apollo. I'm just letting you know. It is not. God is so serious about people and he wants his people to be so serious about people. And he still wants us to still enjoy life at the same time. And it's a way to do it at the same time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But God's word does not return void. Whatever he says, he's going to do that thing. It's when you start trying to do something other than what he said. Amen. Listen, God is a rewarder. Let's look at 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's look at verse 8. And it says, it's still in the King James, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Everybody's going to receive their reward according to his own labor. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Still in the King James. And it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, speaking of God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that means you need to believe that God exists, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So again, we hear here, God is one who rewards. He rewards those who diligently seek him. He, he rewards those 
who uh, seek his presence. He rewards those who seek his will. He rewards those who seek how he wants things to be done. God is a rewarder. Now, I did not say that you earn your salvation through works. But I am saying that God will reward your works. God is, God is a, how do I put this? God is going to reward us for good works that we have done. We are not saved by good works, but saved for good works. We are, we are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. So it's not your doing things that cause you to be saved and right with God. Let me put it that way. You're not going to work your way into the kingdom of God. But once you get into the kingdom of God, God wants you to do good works. Hallelujah. Let's make sure we, we want to get that. We want to make sure we get that straight. Uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. I think that will bring it home a little bit better. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse uh, 8. Listen to this. He says, for grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. Unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I want to read that to you out of the Amplified too, because I like how it's expressed there. Looking at verse eight, it says, for it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God, not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands, least any man should boast. You know, I... Got in because of this. I got into heaven because of that. I prayed more than you, and that's why God loves me. And I fasted, and you didn't. And God says, it's none of that. He said, it's what you believe. Again, in verse 9, he says, not because of works, not the fulfillment of the laws of man, least any man should boast, because people be boasting that, you know, they're in a better place in heaven than you are because of all the works they've done. It says, it is not the result of what anyone can possibly do, so no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. Amen. He says, for we are God's own handiwork. Amen. It's God's doing. His workmanship. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that, listen, born anew that, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them living, listen at this, living the good life which he prepared, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So God says, I have already prepared some things. I already know what I want you to do. I already know where I want you to be. He said, I did all this stuff ahead of time. He said, and all while you doing these good works, he said, I want you to live the good life. 
So it's not the, I'm just toiling down here for God. And, you know, I got this burden. Every time I used to hear people say they had a burden, I was like, ooh, heavy load. <laughs> but yet they were singing that song, God's going to lighten my heavy load. I'm like, you know what? This is confusing. I need to get in the word of God and see what he's talking about. Because, because <laughs> people made it seem like it was such a drudgery to serve God. There's no happiness in serving God. You go to church and, and you got to look <laughs> like you just rolled out of the bed. You, you just. And when you look at all the beauty that God created, he could not possibly want us to look like that or act like that. This supposed to be joy unspeakable and full of glory. Not when you get to heaven, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be really thrilling up there, I'm sure. But down here, he said he wants us to live a life worth living. While you're doing good works. Hallelujah. So God really is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. Let's look at Mark chapter 10. God is a rewarder. Mark chapter 10, King James still. It says, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, there is no one who has given up and left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundred times as much now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in a and in the excuse me and in the age to come eternal life god says i want to bless you here too he says no one gives up no one does anything for me and there's not a reward to be expected from it he says no one and understand this there's a, a parable in the Bible, uh, Jesus is speaking, and he's talking about laying up treasures in heaven, laying up treasures in heaven, laying up treasures in heaven. See, we're so busy trying to lay up stuff here that he says, do you know there's an afterlife and there's some treasures in heaven? I have something in heaven that you're supposed to be working towards. So when you get there, he said, there's, there's still more. There's still more because you laid up your good works. You laid up some things in heaven. And when you get there, he said, you'll have some presents to present to God. You'll have some things that you can bring before the Father. You'll have some gifts you can bring to God because of your good works. Because God is going to review everybody. Yes. Now, judgment has already come as far as your salvation, but he's going to review everybody's works. And y'all know how y'all like to get rewards? Have you ever been in a race and you wanted to win the trophy? <laughs> no, one, no, no one gets into a competition and not want to get a reward. Am I right? So God says there will be rewards in heaven as well. He said, but it comes through your good works. But these good works got to be generated from your heart. And that's why I said give what you want to give. Because that's the person God loves, the cheerful giver. He, let me put it this way. He loves how you give. I mean, he loves all of us, but he loves how you give. And he says, the cheerful giver, the one whose heart is in his giving, he says, I'm going to make sure 
that you'll get seed to sow because you won't be grudging. It won't take you a long time to get up off of it. I'm serious. Because everything that comes through your hand is not yours. It probably, it may belong to someone else. But we'll keep it for ourselves. When God said, no, that was seed to sow. Now you're about to eat your bread. I mean, that was, that was seed to sow, right? And, and you're about to eat your seed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Some of y'all probably saying, now how am I going to decipher which one it is? Uh, many of the people in here know. Other people, God will, he truly will guide you. You know, a lot of times when people say, something told me. And then you be like, shh, be quiet. I got a plan for this money. And you know what the Holy Ghost is saying? Yeah, but God's got a plan. You'd be like, I'll get the God plan next week. And God's like, huh? Because God's intention is that we be a blessing. That's, that's, that's what he told Abraham. I'm going to bless you till all families of the earth have been blessed. Amen. So God rewards. He rewards. God is a rewarder. Let's look at Luke chapter uh, 19. We're going to bring this to a close. Luke chapter 19. In verse 13, I apologize. Luke chapter 19 and verse 13. And in this particular passage of scripture, it's talking about handling money, handling resources. In verse 13, he says, so he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minus, and said to them, do business till I come. God said, he told them, do business till I come. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you stuff, and I want you to do business. I want you to multiply. I want you to do something with what I have given you. And it goes on to say, we, again, we won't read it all because of time, but it goes on to say that uh, some of the citizens of that country chased him down and said, we don't want you to be our king. We don't want you to be over us. We don't want you to, we don't want what you have. We don't want you telling us what to do. We don't want you to be over us. But then he comes back later and he, he, he has an accounting. It's like, so what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? And then, of course, you know, you have those, oh, Listen, I multiplied it and brought in more. I did this and I brought in more. Then you had that one person. There's always that one person. Look at somebody say, always one person. Well, I didn't do what you said, do. Because I, I didn't like the way you did it. Now, I, I, don't, I, I think you just get stuff that you ought not to have. And I, you know, just, just going on. And in my mind, it wasn't yours anyway. So what is the deal with you? It's not yours anyway, and you got a problem with what somebody else have, and then they allowed you to handle it for a while, and you upset? God is saying that we need to go out and do business, that we need to be good stewards over what he's placed in our hands. We need to be good stewards over what God has placed in our 
hands because a good steward don't lose resources. They don't waste them. A good steward always gets more because that's what he said. He said, if you handle it right, I'll give you more. Poor stewardship over what God has blessed us with will keep you from being active in the things that God wants to do. Only thing you'll sit around and say, you'll start off as, I wish I had more to give. I wish I had something to give. Or, I'd like to sow into that. Oh, but I don't have it. And God is saying, have you checked your stewardship? Are you doing with what I gave you? How are you handling that? What are you doing with that? And some people say, but it's, it's so little. It's so little, don't, it don't matter. Everything matters in the kingdom of God. And you say it's little in comparison to what? Because the only thing you're supposed to be comparing with is what you have, not what other people have. It's what you have. That's why sometimes when people come to me and they'll say, you know, uh, Pastor Deborah, I want to be a blessing to you. And I just got this little, I stopped right there. I said, is it small in your eyes or you think it's small in my eyes? Because it doesn't matter what it looks like in my eyes. It, it does as far as God is concerned if I'm not grateful. But when God started teaching me about sowing and, and reaping and getting a harvest, I started with $5, and I'm going to tell you, the Satan tried to make me be embarrassed about giving $5 to someone. Oh, that ain't nothing. What they going to do with $5? It wasn't a matter of what they were going to do with $5. It had to do with what I was doing. I was giving where God told me to give. And I'm telling you, God was so good. I remember giving my first $5 away, and I, after, I was excited about giving it, but when I walked away, I, it just came... That wasn't nothing. They probably looking at it. Look back. They probably going, what in the world is this? But I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to keep walking. I'm just going to keep walking because I know it's a thing God told me to do. And then the next week, okay, now remember, I'm, I have some age on me. So $5 was a lot back then when I gave this $5 away. It was a lot to me. <laughs> and um, the lady came back the next week and she said, thank you so much. You have no idea. I had no more pampers for my baby, not one. And when you gave me that $5, she said it could have been like 50 to me because I was able to go to the store and get my baby pampers for the week. So see, you, you, don't, you don't make a decision as to whether it's big, it's small, it's the thing God said. He said, I don't want you giving out of something that you don't have, but God wants a cycle to go on in our lives called sowing and reaping. He wants it to happen over and over again. He didn't call us to be a reservoir. He didn't call us to be a reservoir where we just bring everything and we just keep it contained. You know what? And it can get stagnant. You know, it can kind of start smelling and stinking like you got, you got it all, but you're not willing to share any of it. You're just keeping it all for yourself. God says, you're not, he said, that's not good stewardship. He said, I have a way. I have a plan. I have a plan for getting people to know who I am and you are a part of it. So again, when you sow, when you give, it's for the purposes 
of expanding the kingdom of God. It's for the purposes of getting people to know God. And we want to do it in as many ways and streams as God is telling us to do it. But we do know. We know for a fact God told us to do it through children. We know for a fact God says start with them when they're small. We know for a fact that other people don't take them at two years old, but we will. And we'll start them right there. Glory to God. Because that's what God is told Revealing Truth Ministries to do. Also, we do, we do global. You know, one of the things that uh, my husband started uh, is leadership classes in other countries. Because his mind was, if you teach the leadership, then they can teach the people. And though he passed on, my daughter picked it up. There's the, there, yes, there is a, a church in Nairobi that wants a library so that their pastors and their leadership can come and learn. Well, you know, you don't go to Africa for, I wish I could go. And it would be great if the team could go by osmosis or by translation, by what is that word, you know, retranslated over there. But more than likely, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> so the resources that you give help us to do what God wants us to do. And that's reach people. That's, 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 that's to pour into them everything that God has poured into us. And so when we, when we came here, when Greg and I came here, we knew that God wanted us to start a church. We knew God wanted us to start Revealing Truth Ministries. And for those who don't know, I'm originally from Georgia and he's really from Alabama. We came here in 1990 to start Revealing Truth Ministries. And God has blessed us. And although he's gone home to be with the Lord, he's ran his race, he did what God wanted him to do, I'm still living. I'm still living. And I'm not trying to carry out a plan that he came up with. I'm carrying out a plan that God came up with. And I used to often tell the church that you think you just came here and got here. No, I prayed you in. I prayed you in. I prayed for God to send us people that love God. I prayed for God to send us people who didn't know God so that we could reveal the truth to them concerning God. I pray for diligent people. I pray for people that were willing to hear what God had to say and act on it. So there's a lot of work to still be done. There's a lot of people that still need to be reached. I, last count, uh, we used to talk about there were, I think, almost three million people in the Tampa Bay area. And we, all, we talked about how we wanted to reach uh, 1%. And people had a cow because we said we wanted to reach 1% because 1% is 30,000 people. 1% is a drop in the bucket. It's a drop in the bucket. And so although 30,000 people may not ever show up at this church, we can certainly reach them. We can certainly reach them for the kingdom of God. We can do it. During our women's conference, I had our ladies to stand. I said, how many of you going to stand with me to carry out this vision and do what God says to do? And I had a number of ladies to stand up. So I'm going to ask the ladies to stand up. And men, understand, this is no bash on you. 
this ain't no woman, hear me roar type of thing. I'm telling you, I don't, I, I, I don't want to say I don't like, but I, I don't hang around people like that. I don't, I don't like women trying to be men. We don't need to be men, we're women. We are female, and God called us to be female. This is not a gender thing either. But then I think women have sat back too long. We're not trying to get ahead of you. We're not trying to run over you, but we do want to walk beside you to make sure things that God says get done. And so I called our ladies to commit. I said, you know what? You got the Holy Ghost. You got thoughts and ideas that God has put on the inside of you. I know that many of you have suppressed them because of what society say and what people say you can and cannot do. But I'm telling you, we need to help the brothers out. They so tired of carrying the load. Aren't y'all tired of carrying all the weight? It's, a, it's on you, brother. It's on you. I ain't doing nothing. I'm going to sit right over here and look cute. In the meantime, y'all just wrestling with it all. Ugh. I want the men say, help a brother, say, help a brother out. Amen. But I'm just saying, ladies, there's stuff on the inside of us. There's creativity on the inside of us. At our women's conference, I remember Pastor Brian, he said, he said, I want all of our women to, in all their variety and all their colorfulness, you know women, we can multitask like nobody's business. Oh, we can. And we want to be right there beside the men saying, we can and will do what God has said to do. We will do it. Why do you think God sent the women out in the book of Genesis? He said, go and borrow. Actually, he said, demand that they give you their riches. Somebody say women folk. Went out and got it. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen, I believe God will, in, God will inspire us. And it's, it, again, men, there's, there's, there's no need to be like, what is this? It's a women movement going on at Revealing Truth Ministry. It ain't no women's movement. It's a God movement going on at Revealing Truth Ministry. Hallelujah. Now, I just want our brothers to stand up. Hallelujah. Look at how many more of it because we all stand together. And we're not separated, but we're all together saying we will do the will of God. And we won't stop until it is accomplished. Whatever God said to do, we're going to do it. Hallelujah. We will support the things that God said that we need to support. We'll do it. We'll talk to God about it. We'll say, God, this is the thing you told us to do. Now, God, show us how to get it done. God's not calling us to do anything in our own strength. But he is asking us to use the strength that he's given us. He is asking us to talk to the Holy Ghost about what needs to be done. He is telling us that we need to look in the word of God and see how he does things, operate in his system so he can get it done. Hallelujah. And we be the people going to do it. We got to be the people who do it. 
I don't want to. I don't want to be like it. I don't want it to be like what God did in the book of Numbers, where He told them to go out and conquer and and get the territory and get the land. And then they decided they didn't want to do it, and they didn't want to do it God's way, and because they were afraid of the giants in the land. And because they, of this and because of that, and then they made complaint. And then God said to him, he said, fine, I'll use the next generation. Mm-hmm. I told God, I want to be a part. I want to, see, I want to see it all happen. I want to be all about my faculties. I don't want to be all decrepit, can't, can't half see, don't know what's going on. No, no, no. I want to be on the front seat. <laughs> I want to be participating. If anybody running, jumping, and dancing, it's going to be me. Amen. Amen. Saying, look what God has done through us. Through us. Because us is better than we individually. It's the us. Glory to God. Man, you just, you just, some of you who are, are kind of new to the ministry, you just need to talk to some people who, who came with us from 56th Street and see all the stuff that God did. I almost feel like we've been on siesta for a moment, but God is ready to move now. I'm telling you, God blessed people in this church like you would not believe. And you know what? They didn't heap it up on themselves either. They brought it in so we could do whatever needs to be done. And we didn't stop giving and say, yeah, I already gave one time. No, we gave till it was done. And we can just, we can just tell you the stories of how we even got into this building. Man, we moved in this building. We had $1,400. We needed to build out at least $750,000 worth of, of things to do in this building. And we did it bit by bit. We had six weeks, six weeks. Some of you have no idea. This was a warehouse. They had all kinds of rafters and all kinds of stuff all over the place. Six weeks, six weeks. God blessed the people in this church. And we paid because Pastor Post started off with 250, then it was 500,000, then it was 750,000. And we paid over a million. Yes. And we did it. We did it. Because God said, do it. We did it. We did it because we believe God and God blessed us in so many unusual situations and continued to bless us. And then as, 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 as we began to bless and do what God said to do, yeah, the cars changed in the parking lot. And people looked outside and they were like, that's where the rich people go. No, we didn't start that way. We started sowing. Ms. Biggers is a witness to it. We started, we started sowing. We said, yeah, this is the thing that God said do. How many of you all moved from 56th Street over to this place? Look at this. Still here. Still sowing. Still giving. Still believing. Still trusting. And although... God has expanded the vision, and he, and he does, and made it more clear to us concerning what we need to do and what we ought to do and the things that he wants to do at this church. I just, I just trust God that you are the people that God called to do it. 
so that many can give thanksgiving to God. There are people that I, that I see that uh, have moved to other states, moved to other ministries, and they said, you know what? I wouldn't have been able to go through what I went through. I would have never been able to do what I'm doing had I not sat under this ministry and heard the truth about who God really is. So we've sown seed for a long time and we have not stopped yet because we believe what God said concerning what he told us to do. And I'm just asking you to ask God, trust God, believe God, and we'll see it done. We're not in competition with no other ministry and what they're doing and, and how they do whatever they're doing. I trust God that they're doing what they're supposed to do because there are different parts of the body and everybody, when they do their part, we can all give praise and thanks to God. So I'm not comparing what we do to anybody else. We do whatever God tells us to do and he will anoint us to do it and he will give us the sufficiency to carry it out and do it. Because it's the thing God said do. Hallelujah. Oh, I can't tell you how excited I am and how I know Satan fought against this day. He fought against this day. And indeed, I was thinking about it. He thought when Pastor Poe passed that we would dwindle and go away. That's what he thought. But in actuality, he put the seed in us. And people, pe- people, people, people didn't come because of him. They came because of God. They came because God sent them here. Hallelujah. Let me just pray with you. Heavenly Father, we just give you praise. We give you honor. We thank you, Lord God, that you have chosen us to be a part of your end time harvest of souls. I thank you, Lord God, for the unique and different way that you've told us to do ministry. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you will open the eyes and understanding, give, give the men and women, the boys, the girls, the children here uh, a vision and an understanding and a clarity of thought concerning what it is that you desire for us to do. As we present every part to them, Father, I pray that they'll see their part in it and they will make sure that they do exactly what you're telling them to do. I thank you, Father God, that you indeed give seed to the sore. You've been doing it for years. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will multiply it, that you will increase it. I pray, Father God, that no one will put a limit on you. No one will say you can't do or you can't give them what is necessary or what you put on their heart to give. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that they will trust you and always ask you where it is. And I thank you, Father, that you will always show it to them. I thank you, Lord God, that we will not be a people who eat their seed and sow their bread. I thank you, Father, you'll help us to know the difference. But I thank you most of all, God, that you chose us and that you are allowing us to do this. And we just give you the praise and the honor in the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Well, you may take your seats. And again, just look at the person next to you and say, give what you want to give. Thank you for watching the message today. I pray it was a blessing to your life. Remember, you can always like and subscribe to our page and be notified when new messages are available. Have a blessed day.